Hello, travelers. Welcome to Day Trips, our weekly shorter episodes of terrifying travels, where either Sabrina or I share with you one or more story from a location we have covered before. My name is Maddie, and today I'll be taking you back to Germany to talk about Der Schwarzwald and its darker fairy tales. Let's dive into it. Der Schwarzwald, or as we say in English, the Black Forest, is located in southwest Germany and is not just a forest, but an entire mountain range. 60% of the area is covered in trees and woodlands. It journeys down the Rhine River and almost reaches Germany's borders with France and Switzerland. This place is a very rural area, with picturesque villages scattered about and very few small towns, making it the perfect home for myths, legends, and fairy tales. Now, you may have heard of the Black Forest for a few reasons. One may be the famous cake, a Black Forest cherry cake, which consists of dark chocolate and cherries. Another may be the mention of the Black Forest on the Rhine River tour, on a fairy tale tour. But I think the Black Forest is most known for being the the birthplace of the Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Most of the Grimm Brothers fairy tales come from the Black Forest, with popular ones being Hansel and Gretel, Rapunzel, Cinderella, Snow White, and Sleeping Beauty, which is most of the Disney princesses. So, who were the Grimm Brothers? Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm were born in 1785 and 1786 in Hanau, Germany, and grew up in a family of nine siblings. Both of them attended the University of Marburg, where they developed a curiosity for folklore. With the rise of Romanticism during this time, there came a revival of interest in traditional stories and folklore. Fun fact, the university major of folklore studies was developed during this time, and for a brief moment, I actually debated changing my major to folklore studies when I was in school. Because of this renewed interest, the Grimm brothers set about a lifelong dedication to record and collect German folklore. Between 1812 and 1857, their first collection grew from 86 stories to over 200 stories now. During this time, they also collected and wrote collections on Germanic and Scandinavian mythology. The brothers went on to teach at the University of Berlin, and they also served on the German parliament. Wilhelm passed in 1859 and Jacob in 1863. Their legacy for Germanic folklore has endured to this day through multiple adaptations of their stories. Now, let's discuss some of the Grimm Brothers' darker and more haunted tales. I have to give a shout out to Rudolf Ruse of International Storytellers. He read all 200 fairy tales and found the nine scariest and most haunted of the fairy tales. And now I will tell you two of them. This is the story of the juniper tree. Long ago, around 2,000 years ago, there was a rich man who had a beautiful and pious wife. They loved each other dearly. They had no children, though they wished for them very much, and the woman paid for them day and night. Now there was a courtyard in front of their house. There stood a juniper tree. One day in winter, the woman was standing beneath it, parring herself an apple. While she was parring herself, the apple cut her finger, and her blood fell from the snow. Her blood fell on the snow. Ah, she said, and sighed heavily, looking at the blood before her and filled with unhappiness. Ah, if I had but a child as red as blood and as white as snow. While she said this, she became quite happy in her mind and felt just as if it was going to happen. She went into the house. A month went by. The snow was gone. Two months. Everything was green. Three months. All the flowers came out of the earth. 
four months, all the trees in the wood grew thicker. The green branches were closely entwined. The birds sang until the woods resounded and the blossoms fell from the trees. The fifth month passed away and she stood under the juniper tree, which smelled so sweetly that her heart leapt and she fell on her knees and was beside herself with joy. When the sixth month was over, the fruit was large and fine and she grew quiet. The seventh month, she snatched at the juniper berries and ate them greedily, growing sick and sorrowful. The eighth month passed. She called her husband to her and wept and said, If I die, then bury me beneath the juniper tree. She was quite comforted and happy until the next month was over. She had a child as white as snow and as red as blood, and when she beheld it, she was so delighted that she died. Her husband buried her beneath the juniper tree, weeping his eyes sore all day. After some time, he was more at ease, and though he still wept, he could bear it. When more time passed, he took another wife. The first wife's child was a little son, as red as blood and as white as snow. By the second wife, he had a daughter. When the woman looked at her daughter, she loved her very much. But then she looked at the little boy, and it seemed to cut her to the heart, for the thought came into her mind that he would always stand in her way. She was forever thinking how she get, could get all the fortune for her daughter. The evil one, the devil, filled her mind with this until she was quite angry with the little boy. She slapped him here and cuffed him there until the unhappy child was in a continual terror, for when he came out of school he had no peace in any place. One day the woman had gone upstairs to her room. Her little daughter went up too and said, Mother, give me an apple. Yes, my child, said the woman, and gave her a fine apple out of the chest. The chest had a heavy lid with a great sharp iron lock. Mother, the little daughter said, is brother not to have one? This made the woman angry, but she said, yes, when he comes out of school. When she saw from the window that he was coming, it was just as if the devil entered into her. She snatched the apple away from her daughter and said, you will not have one before your brother. She then threw the apple into the chest and shut it. The little boy came in at the door, and the devil made her say to him kindly, My son, would you like an apple? She looked wickedly at him. Mother, said the little boy, why do you look so dreadful? Yes, give me an apple. Then it seemed to her as if she was forced to say to him, Come with me. She opened the lid of the chest and said, Take an apple for yourself. When the little boy was stooping inside, the devil prompted her, and crash! She shut the lid down. His head flew off and fell among the red apples. She was overwhelmed with terror and thought, If I could but make them think that it was not done by me. So she went upstairs to her room in her chest of drawers, took a white handkerchief out of the top drawer, set the head on the neck again, folded the handkerchief so that nothing could be seen, set him on a chair in front of the door, and put the apple in his hand. After this, Marlin Chin, the daughter, came into the kitchen to her mother, who was standing by the fire with a pan of hot water before her, which she was constantly stirring round. Mother, Marlin Chin said, brother is sitting at the door. He looks quite white, white and has an apple in his hand. I asked him to give me the apple, but he did not answer me, and I was quite frightened. Go back to him, said her mother, and if he does not answer you, give him a bop to his ear. So Marlinchin went to him and said, Brother, give me the apple. He was silent, and she gave him a box on the ear, 
from which his head fell down. She was terrified, began screaming and crying, running to her mother, saying, Mother, mother, I knocked my brother's head off. She wept and wept and could not be comforted. Marlin Chin, what have you done? But be quiet and let no one know. It cannot be helped now. We will make him into a stew. The mother took the little boy, chopped him in pieces, put him into the pan, and made him into a stew. Marlin Chin stood by, weeping and weeping. All her tears fell into the pan, and there was no need for any salt. Then the father came home, sat down to dinner, and said, But where is my son? The mother served up a great stew, and Marlachin wept and could not leave off. Then the father said again, But where is my son? Ah, said the mother, he has gone across the country to his mother's great uncle. He will stay there a while. And what is he doing there? He did not even say goodbye to me? Oh, he wanted to go and asked me if he might stay six weeks. He is well taken care of there. Hmm, I feel so unhappy. Something must be be wrong. He ought to have said goodbye to me. With that, the father began to eat and said, Merlinchen, why are you crying? Your brother will certainly come back. Ah, wife, how delicious this food is. Give me some more. And the more he ate, the more he wanted to have. He said, Give me some more. You shall have none of it. It seems to me as if it were all mine. He ate and ate and threw all the bones under the table until he had finished eating everything. Marlinchen went away to a chest of drawers. She took out her best silk handkerchief out of the bottom drawer, got all the bones from beneath the table, tied them up in her silk handkerchief, and carried them outside, weeping tears of blood. There, the juniper tree began to stir itself. The branches parted asunder and moved together again, as if someone was rejoicing and clapping his hands. At the same time, a mist seemed to arise from the tree. In the center of the mist, it burned like a fire. A beautiful bird flew out of the fire, singing magnificently. He flew up high in the air, and when he was gone, the juniper tree was just as it had been before, only the handkerchiefs with the bones were no longer there. Marlinchen, however, was as joyful and happy as if her brother were still alive. She went merrily into the house and sat down to eat dinner. The bird flew away, landed on a goldsmith's house, and began to sing. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlechen, gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet, what a beautiful bird I am. The goldsmith was sitting in his workshop making a gold chain. When he heard the bird, which was sitting on his roof, sitting and singing on his roof, seemed to him a very beautiful song. He stood up, but as he crossed the threshold, he lost one of his slippers. Right up the middle of the street, he went on with one shoe on and one sock. He had his apron on in one hand, he had the gold chain, and in the other the pinchers. The sun was shining brightly on the street. He went right on, stood still, and said to the bird, Bird, how beautiful you sing. Sing me that piece again. No, said the bird. I will not sing it twice for nothing. Give me the golden chain and I will sing it again. There, said the goldsmith. There is the gold chain for you. Now sing me that song again. The bird came and took the golden chain and his white claw, went and sat in front of the goldsmith and sang his song again. Then the bird flew to a shoemaker and landed on his roof and sang the same song. 
The shoemaker heard and ran out of doors in his shirt sleeves. He looked up at his roof and was forced to hold his hand before his eyes to not be blinded by the sun. Bird, how beautiful you sing! Then he called in at his door. Wife, just come outside. There is a bird. Look at that bird. He can just sing well. He called his daughter, his children, his apprentices, boys and girls. They all came up the street and looked at the bird and saw how beautiful he was. With fine red and green feathers he had, how like real gold his neck was, and how the eyes in his head shone like stars. Bird, the shoemaker said, now sing me that song again. No, said the bird, I do not sing twice for nothing. You must give me something. Wife, the man said, go to the garret. Upon the top shelf there stands a pair of red shoes. Bring them down. The wife went and bought the shoes. There, bird, the man said, now sing me that piece again. Then the bird came, took the shoes in his left claw, flew back on the roof, and sang his song again. And when he had sung the whole song, he flew away. In his right claw he had the chain, in his left the shoes. He flew far away to a mill. The mill went clip, clip, clap, clap, clip, clip, clap, clap. Then the mill sat twenty miller's men, hewing a stone and cutting hick, hack, hick, hack, hick, hack. And the mill went clip, clap, clip, clap, clip, clap. The bird sat on a lime tree, standing in front of the mill, and sang his song. All of the workers had stopped working. He heard the last words and said, Bird, how beautiful you sing. Let me too hear that. Sing that once more for me. No, said the bird. I will not sing twice for nothing. Give me the millstone and then I will sing again. Yes, if it belonged to me only, you could have it. Yes, if he sings again, he shall have it. The bird came down and the twenty millers all set to work with a beam and raised the stone up. The bird stuck his neck through the hole and put the stone on as if it were a collar. He flew onto the tree again and sang his song. When he had finished singing, he spread his wings. At his right claw, he had the chain, and the, his left, the shoes, and around his neck, the millstone. He flew far away to his father's house. In the room sat the father, the mother, and Marlingchen at dinner. The father said, How light-hearted I feel! How happy I am! No! the mother said. I just feel so uneasy, just as if a heavy storm were coming. Marlichen, however, sat weeping and weeping. Then came the bird flying. As it seated itself on the roof, the father said, Oh, I feel so truly happy. The sun is shining so beautifully outside. I feel as if I were about to see some old friend again. No, said the woman. I feel so anxious, my teeth chatter, and I seem to have fire in my veins. And she tore her cor corset open. But Marlingchen sat in the corner crying, holding her plate before her eyes, and crying till it was quite wet. Then the bird sat on the Jupiter tree and sang. My mother, she killed me. The mother stopped her ears and shut her eyes. She would not like to see or hear, but there was a warring in her ears like the most violent storm, and her eyes burnt and flashed like lightning. My father, he ate me. Ah, mother, says the man, what, that is a beautiful bird. He sings so splendidly, and the sun shines so warmly, and there is a smell just like cinnamon. My sister, little Marlinchen. Then Marlichen laid her head on her knees and wept without seizing, but the man said, I'm going out. I must see the bird quite close. 
Oh, don't go, the woman said. I feel as if the whole house were shaking and on fire. But the man went out and looked at the bird. Gathered, to gathered together all of my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet, what a beautiful bird I am. On this, the bird let the gold chain fall. It fell exactly around the man's neck, so exactly that it fitted beautifully. He went in and said, Just look at what a fine bird that is. What a handsome gold chain he has given me, and how pretty he is. But the woman was terrified, and fell down on the floor in the room. Her cap fell off her head, and then the bird sang once more. This time, Marlington went out, and she said, I too will go out and see if the bird will give me anything. Then the bird threw down the shoes to her. She was light-hearted and joyous as she put on the new red shoes, danced and leapt into the house. Ah, she said, I was so sad when I went out, and now I am so light-hearted. That is a splendid bird. He has given me a pair of red shoes. Well, said the woman, and sprang to her feet, and her head hair stood up like flames of fire. I feel as if the world were coming to an end. I, too, will go out and see if my heart feels lighter. As she went out the door, crash! The bird threw down the millstone on her head, and she was entirely crushed by it. The father and Marlington heard what had happened and went out. Smoke, flames, fire were rising from the place. When that was over, there stood the little brother. He took his father and Marlington by the hand, and all three were right glad. They went into the house to dinner and ate. The end. Now, I said that I would tell you two fairy tales, but I'm actually just going to leave it here at one, as that went on <laughs> a little longer than anticipated, and it's quite late um, for me uh, when I'm recording this. So, I'm just going to leave it right there, and I'll be sure to tell you another story from the Schwarzwald another time. Thank you guys for joining me on this day trip back to Germany. Sabrina and I will see you guys next week with new stories out of Nova Scotia, Canada. Be sure to like and share the episode wherever you find your podcast. It's a great way to help us out. Thanks for listening and stay terrified. Ciao!